May I speak to you in the name of one God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Hate multiplies hate. Violence multiplies violence. And toughness multiplies toughness in a descending spiral of destruction. So, when Jesus says, love your enemies... He is setting forth a profound and ultimately inescapable admonition. This quote is from a sermon given on Christmas Day, 1957, at Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. The church was no doubt full. People had come to celebrate the birth of our Savior but they had also come to hear the preacher. You see, on that day, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was in the pulpit. The topic of his sermon, love your enemies. Today, January 15th, is Dr. King's birthday. He would have been 94 years old had he not been murdered on April 4, 1968, inside the Lorraine Motel in Memphis. On that dark day, a great man's earthly light was extinguished. It was a dark time in our nation's history. Today's reading from Isaiah comes in a dark time for Israel. Jerusalem was in ruins after being conquered by the Babylonians. Its people were refugees, seeking a new home and a new hope. Yet, in the midst of so much suffering, we hear of this servant who is to come. A servant who will shine light into the darkness. A Messiah, Jesus. Almost 800 years before Jesus' birth, the prophecy in Isaiah tells us of God's plan for his son. Through God's own words and the words of Jesus himself. In this second of four servant songs, God tells us exactly who Jesus is and why he is coming. To be a light to the nations and redeem not only Israel but the whole world. It is fitting we find this passage in the season of Epiphany, the season of recognizing there is light in the darkness. The darkness and brokenness of our world today are not that different from the time of Isaiah. Millions around the world are oppressed, being forced from their homes subjected to violence and exiled in foreign lands. Additionally, many of us live with personal darkness through trauma relating to health, finances, relationships, and the list goes on. In fact, we might find ourselves being drawn into one of the worst manifestations of darkness, hatred. 
Isaiah's passage today gives us some good guidance in how to manage all this. Beyond that, and maybe most importantly, it tells us what really drives darkness away and what does not. So let's consider some common human characteristics, failings, that are alluded to in the text and how, without Christ, we are incapable of driving out the darkness. Let's also think about how the light of Christ drives out the darkness and pulls us in to his light. I like to be right. Who amongst us doesn't? I like affirmation, praise, and being told I'm doing a good job. Those things are, I think, normal human needs, and they're important to me. In fact, it is easy to believe that it is my light that shines so bright, my light that I created all by myself by all the wonderful things I've done. But what happens when I fail or miss a deadline or let someone down? If the light were truly mine alone, it would most certainly burn out. Then what? We cannot cast out darkness on our own. But if it is God's light shining through us, it has the power to drive away that brokenness of self-satisfaction. God offers this reminder in verse 3. You are my servant in whom I will be glorified. God is supposed to be glorified. It's not about how great we are. How about another one? Hopelessness. I have labored in vain. I have kept my, spent my strength for nothing in vanity. I don't know about you, but I know the feeling of hopelessness in the face of darkness all too well. That feeling of defeat when I've tried and tried and it didn't seem to make a difference. It's easy to become weary. It's easy to become weak. We can even feel our work and our ministry has been pointless. I've experienced these feelings in my hospital chaplaincy ministry more times than I'd like to admit. To come alongside someone in deep grief and not have an answer. To want so bad to say the right thing when really there is no right thing to be said. I've wanted to walk away many times because in my hopelessness, I simply don't have that power to cast out the darkness of sadness and death. But it's not about my strength and not about my success. If, as Isaiah writes, our cause is with the Lord, then the definition of success is much larger than whatever it is we're trying to accomplish. Pushing out the darkness can't be defined by one occurrence, by one instance, by one goal. No matter how good it is, God's plan is bigger 
and our reward is ultimately in Christ. But because we're all human, we still have a need to achieve. So what happens when we try to formulate a goal or put ourselves in a situation that is easier to attain that goal on our own without God? That can lead to another type of darkness. The instinct to limit or to draw our boundaries around the people we feel led to care about or to take responsibility for. We can even find ourselves attempting to designate who is worthy of God's love and who is not. If God's light is driving out the darkness, then how can we possibly draw our own boundaries and think that's okay? Are some people more worthy of God's light and love than others? The people of Israel were exiled into Babylon. Their land was taken, their temple destroyed, and their bodies were enslaved. They were without resources and in great need of a savior to bring them together to redeem them. They were in dire straits, to say the least, and it would have been easy to understand if the prophet had addressed their suffering alone. Instead, he sets the tone from the very first verse. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. The message is for the near and the far, the Israelites and the Gentiles. Jesus came to redeem the world for you and for me, and he came for everyone. Ideally, I'd like to end here and tell you to go forth and shine the light of Christ and everything will be okay and your life will be great. But I'd be doing us all a disservice if I did not cover one final point. On the day of his assassination, Dr. King was not the venerated leader he is remembered as. In fact, he was despised by many. Why? He was reaching his light beyond the sphere where people thought he should. Dr. King was called to a prophetic ministry reaching beyond the boundaries of his community. Dr. King taught human rights. He was saying the message of freedom needed to apply in every situation where any people were held in oppression for the benefit of others. He was saying, there is no boundary that limits the light. And he was hated for it. Not just by those who had always fought against him, but also by many of those who didn't want to threaten their own interests by reaching too far or helping people they saw as unworthy. Like Jesus, being given as the light to the nations doesn't mean everyone will want you to shine. But that's not the end of the story. There is honor in the end. Because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. 
and chosen me. Dr. King was not just a civil rights leader, but that would have been enough. He was a Christian. He was a Christian minister who called us to build up the kingdom of God in the best prophetic tradition of the Old and New Testaments. His words and the scriptures that inspired him continue to remind us of God's heart for, the, for every marginalized, oppressed, and suffering person. While his earthly light was extinguished that sad day in 1968, Dr. King's light shines on through his legacy. May we not forget. May we not become complacent. May we not use hatred to drive out the darkness in others. So go forth and let the light of Christ shine through you into our weary world. Live and love. Give wholeheartedly. And most important, respect the dignity of every human being. Amen.